Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Today, we're really going to be focusing on our work, which is such a big part of our life. I'm not just talking about the nine to five job. Instead, I believe the Bible teaches we are all created to do some type of work, all of which is, excuse me, similar, has a similar why behind it as well. I think I can prove it to you through the book um, that we've been visiting throughout this whole series in the book of Genesis. Go with me to the very first chapter, to the very first verse of the book of Genesis. And it says, why don't we all say it out loud together? Ready? Begin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In this one verse, the very first one in the Bible, we read a verb used to describe what God was doing. The writer says God created. God seems to be putting something in motion here. At the very beginning of time, how many know that God created time? I mean, he's God. And over the next six days of God's creation, God provides us with an incredible model. We, we looked at that part of that model last week when we looked on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the seventh day God rested. We call that the Sabbath. Incredibly, God is inviting his people into the work that he's already done or is doing. This, my friends, is a crucial point. We must understand when it comes to the work that you and that I do. So when I was uh, 15, I I got a job at a batting cage. I love sports, played all the sports. I became a legend in my own mind. (laughs) And at 15, um, there was a batting cage on Beach Boulevard in Orange County, and and it was called Home Run Park, and so I got a job there. And in them days, you know, their conveyor belt system was le- it was not to be desired. Let's just say that. So they would find 15-year-old boys and say, get down in that pit, fill them up those milk crates, and throw the balls up out of the milk crate, and then go manually to each one of the 24 cages and fill up, you know, the reservoir with all the balls. And so I was doing that. And we had two sections, one in the front, one in the back. And way in the back, there we had some of our slower cages, and there would be this single mom who would come. And that mom would come with her little boy and doing her best to try to teach the boy how to swing the bat to hit the ball. You could see the misery on her face that she wasn't an athlete and didn't know how to play. And there was a difference in language because my Spanish was about as good as tacos and burritos, which wasn't helpful when your last name is Telemontes, you know what I'm saying? Something I felt in my heart changed me. And uh, I worked super fast and loaded up all all the cages super good so I'd be fine for a little bit. And I asked the mom if I could help. And through my broken Spanish and her broken English... And so I started working, and she asked me when when I worked, and I told her the nights, she would come. And before you know it, he was hitting that ball in that batting cage. And the first time he made contact, I almost cried. 
the look on his face was priceless. But the look on his face when he came a few weeks later, running to the back, and at, he's called me uh, Coach Marv. I'm 15, right? And I go, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he's crying. He goes, I hit, I hit, I hit, I hit the ball in the game. The mother's crying with tears. It put me on a journey that I decided at 15 I wanted to be a coach at some point. Do you know I still coach baseball to this day? I coach baseball at Jim Elliott High School. I'm the head coach there for baseball. Why? Because my work, which was loading up balls in the machines, had everything to do with me meeting a single mom and a boy. That rerouted my life to be able to help other people in a way that was really fun to them and I could point them towards Christ. And she'd thank me and I said, no, 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 no. And I told her to thank, I go, Jesus, Jesus. And she started crying. She says, yes, Jesus. Do you see how that works? And there was another situation where my very first senior pastorate, I'm in Grass Valley, California. And there all of a sudden, um, there's this new guy came into church, and it was a smaller church, much like what we are. And I looked at the guy, just went up and said, hey, what's going on? Nice to meet you, you know. And you just started small talk. Next thing I go, I go, what kind of work you do? He goes, oh, I'm a machinist. I work with CNC machines. I go, really? What kind of CNC? And I started talking shop with him. Because I used to work around CNC machines when I was a youth pastor. I had to have a, you know, my tent job. And so I was exposed, and I'm thinking, how in the world is CNC machines have anything to do with the ministry? I need to be going to cemetery, I mean seminary. <laughs> Wasn't an accident, just by the way. So the next thing you know, I'm, I'm talking shop, and he goes, wow. Later he, he told me, he goes, when you knew what a CNC machine was and you talked shop, I knew this was my church. You hadn't even preached yet. I went, whoa. You know what that guy does now? He and his wife got really active and really volunteered a lot of places. Now they're missionaries in Mexico because we went down there for a Mexican trip, Mexico missions trip, all because some goofy pastor knew what a CNC because of my work that I thought had nothing to do with ministry. God lined it up for the kingdom work where he and his wife are now missionaries full time in Mexico. God has something in what you do for work. You have no idea how he can use it. You'd be surprised. So maybe you can relate to these stories, or you might have your own story from doing some kind of work that blessed somebody else. Maybe you had no idea that your work could be used for God, by God, in you and through you. And maybe you experience constant conflict right now, unfortunately, with coworkers or employees or your superiors. And here's what God does just right after creating humans, people like us. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2.15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. 
God decided, he says, I want to join you and me together. We're going in business together, the Lord says. So your work might be a hot mess right now. But God is saying, hey, I want you to work with me. We're going to partner up. I don't have any resources. Oh, I got all the resources. I I don't know. I don't have any network. I, I got all the network. Just keep the excuses. Just come right here. Let's go do this together. He didn't need Adam and Eve. He wanted Adam and Eve. And he wants you. To do what? To be a part of his kingdom. To be a part of his work. To be a part of what he's doing. That's incredible. So when we look back in Genesis 1-1, through the creation of the heavens and the earth, God put something in motion. But right here in Genesis 2-15, after creating all of mankind, creating everything, he motions over to you and says, hey, come here. God says to people just like you, just like me, I want you to join me in the work I'm already doing. Maybe today this is the very thing you need to hear. You're maybe a stay-at-home mom who's trying to manage a young family. And it's, you're about to lose everything. You're so, you're losing your patience all the different demands and all of the scheduling. And if you're honest, it's hard. And maybe you're retired and you're trying to manage all the expectations of the adult children and the grandchildren. And you're losing your patience. Or maybe you're a student trying to manage school and a side job in your social life. And you're losing your patience. Maybe you're a career person. Maybe Maybe you own your own business and all the demands and all the expectations and the deadlines and all of the forms you got to fill out. And you're losing your patience. I don't care what the work is. Sometimes life can just be a hot mess. So today, be encouraged that God is at work in your life, even when you don't see it. God's working in each area of your life, even when you can't feel it. He's working through the countless hours you put in when no one seems to be paying attention or appreciating anything. Just taking it for granted when you're able to hand them some money. See, but your task isn't chasing a dollar. Your task is to join God in His work. Becoming faithful and joyous student, steward of what the Lord has entrusted with you day to day. And by the way, God wants to meet all your needs. Or that, what does that mean? All of your financial needs, God's there for that. Some people think God wants everybody to be poor. How many of you parents want your kids poor? If you don't want that, why would your Heavenly Father want that? Now, wouldn't you want everybody's needs met? Would you want to make sure that they, they're taken care of and there's stability? Well, why wouldn't God want that for you? Of course He does. 
But here's the reality. No matter what our work looks like individually, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, whether you're young or old, doing what we just said is extremely difficult. There are distractions that get in the way. And there's deadlines. And there's bills that you didn't know were coming. There are endless points of comparison all around us. The Joneses and the family members. There are frustrations with the person you work next to or with. And those family members, the in-laws and the outlaws. (laughs) And sometimes we are convinced that nothing ever seems to go according to plan. No matter how hard I work, no matter how hard I try. And this is why we must ask and answer a very important question. Where do you find fulfillment? Where do you find fulfillment? If you think it's in the work, how many know the work's never done? See, it's really easy to place our identity in the things that we do instead of who God says we are. Maybe you notice from the account in the book of Genesis that God makes us human beings, not human doing. I'm a human being. Just being a child of the king is incredible. You know, I recently... There's been a lot of loss in my life this last year, in my wife's life, us as a family... Mom passed away a, a year ago last Thursday. My, and then in January, we found out my father-in-law went on hospice. In February, my brother-in-law, who I, I've known since seventh grade, and, well, obviously my wife's known him forever. Uh, he, one car, single car accident, and he, we lost him. And then in early summer, we lost father-in-law. And now my dad's on hospice. But here's a funny thing. I'm adopted, right? And in that craziness, at this season of my life, we found, as you all know, my biological father. And in finding my half-sister Tiffany and John Bouchard, something dynamic took place to me that I want you to catch I have an identity now that I never knew about me. I'm not just Mexican who can make really good hot chocolate. I'm also Canadian French. And now I know about all these little weird quirks of things that I'm fairly good at. I actually know where they came from because that's what he does and is all about. And I'm like, What? Why? I'm like my dad. I'm also like Ted, but I'm also like John, my biological father. Why is this important? Because just being a son changes my understanding in my life. 
And when you realize you are a child of the king, it should change the way you see your life. Just as much as it impacted me, it impacts you. God's good at a lot of things. That means you can be good at a lot of things. You had no idea because you have, you have his DNA. It's running through you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to share a little story about going from human being to human doing. So many times we're into the doing, the doing. How do we introduce ourselves to so many people? What do you do? And sometimes we don't catch that God wants us to be something. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor way before somebody ever called me a pastor. It was just in me. Whether I wanted it or not, it was just in me. There was a season in my life I was a hospice chaplain. There's a lot of really neat things you can do when you're a hospice chaplain in helping people because we know the finish line is close. And I, there's this gal that I used to work with. She was a hospice social worker. Her name's Billy. I used to call her Billy D because her last name started with D. And it was just kind of fun. And, and she used to call me Marvo. And... Um, because one time I just I really did something silly and I go, nice job, Marvo. And she goes, What'd you just say? I said, I don't know. She goes, You called yourself Marvo. It's sticking. And so she called me Marvo from then on. Her and her husband been trying for years, I didn't know this, to have a little baby. And they weren't able to. So they started going the adoption route. And here she is, a social worker. Both her and her husband are doing well, taking care of life. Financially, they're good. They own a home, all, this, all these good things. And nothing's working. And then finally, they would get an opportunity, and it would just blow up. And then they get another opportunity. Now they've learned not to get hopes up. They don't even tell anybody. And this has been going on for quite a while. And finally, they really got one. And they were down to the wire. And literally, after months and months, at the very final minute, the mother changed her mind completely. This devastated Billy. I don't know any of this, right? I don't know any of this. We're all getting ready. I'm in the break room getting my stuff and packed up in my, in my uh, bag and everything. And, I'm, and I just can't help but look over and something's not right with Billy. So I just go and... You know, those white tables like this. And I just sat next and I just sat across and I go, just kind of looked at her. She didn't want to look at me. So I just waited. And she looked at me and tears start rolling. I go, what's going on? And she's doing her best not to cry. This is a work environment. She starts shaking her head. And then I knew. I said, again? She said, yeah. She goes, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not even, we're not trying, we're done. And I could just see the brokenness in her. And I said, Billy, um, I don't have two verses and call me in the morning. I, I don't know what to say to that, but could I share this little thing with you? She goes, okay. I said, you know, uh, 
the Easter story in the Bible, obviously. She goes, yeah. I said, you know, it started off about a week earlier with a parade. And they would all say, Hosanna in the highest. And can you imagine what those disciples must have been thinking? Hosanna in the highest. And they're all waving palm branches. It must have been incredibly high. She goes, yeah. I said, then Thursday came and and they arrested him. Legal, false accusations, and they're beating him. And then by Friday, they put him on a cross. Peter denies him. He's just horrible. Crucify him. I said, in all of your Christian stuff, did anybody talk to you about Saturday? She looked at me. She goes, no, I know. They were hiding. They were literally isolating themselves from everybody they knew. And they were hiding. They were grieving and they were crying. And they were scared. Because they didn't know what tomorrow would be. I said, Billy, you got to be scared. You got to be wondering something wrong with me. You got to be fearful that I have to face everybody and you just want to isolate. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to talk to anybody. You just want to be left alone. I said, but what those disciples didn't know is that Sunday was coming. I don't know when your Sunday's coming, Billy. But I know God has a Sunday for you. She wiped her tears. She goes, I don't know how you always do this. But you're making me smile. I go, that's hope, Billy. Don't let go of it. Because it's going to be part of the story of your Sunday. Before I left... I got to see that little guy. She got her baby. They called him Kinnick. Kinnick. Iowa Hawkeyes, anybody knows that? They know what that means, Kinnick Stadium. Tears in her eyes. She got her Sunday baby. I had no idea that when I was going to be a chaplain, I was really going there to help out Billy Dee and her husband. Don't think your job is about your job. There's a work to be done. That could change the trajectory of somebody's life. There are times and seasons of life when we're working for other reasons. We're working for the kingdom. The Bible tells us many crucial things, but what, one, what's given to us in John chapter 4 is a single statement from Jesus Christ himself. Let's look at that. Verse 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. My nourishment comes from doing the will of the church. Is that what it says? It comes from doing the will of the pastor comes from doing the will of my husband, my wife, of my kids, of my boss. Where does your nourishment come from? From doing the will of 
God who sent me and from finishing His work. Wow. We're to place our hope in doing the will of God. I believe that from time to time, at that time and time again in the scriptures, God's reminding us of his will. Let's look at Matthew 9, verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. That's why it's time to have what? A trunk or treat. I mean, those statements from John 4 and from Matthew 9, they remind us that there's still so much work to be done to accomplish God's plans and purposes. God is calling us to use our gifts, our talents and work to be involved in His purpose and His plan. Ronnie helped us out on, on Friday night, and I'm just watching this guy. He's just got real good sense of how to do things. He knew how to do the lights. He knew how to set up the boxes and open them up, tape open the lids. All these little things, he was paying attention. Why? He goes, if you're going to do something, might as well do it right. That's a gift, a talent that God's given him. All those little things so nobody's distracted by other things so they could be focusing on what? Relationship. God used him. And I'm glad. And I'm glad you were there, Ronnie. Now, I also want us to, to, to know this before we take off. Know that you've been assigned in your life kingdom work to do. Even if it doesn't feel like it. See, it's one thing to work for God. It's another thing to work with God. We're supposed to do both. God calls us to work for Him and to work with Him. You may be familiar with the life and ministry of Paul the Apostle in the New Testament. He started off as one who persecuted Christians, right? Imprisoned them, beat them, and actually executed them. And yet he becomes the guy who writes half of the New Testament. Wow. So he went on to share the gospel message with thousands of people all over, all over what we would call Europe and, and that side of the world. But Paul says something really profound in the book of Acts. He says in verse 22, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in the city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. He knows he's going to suffer. I don't know why people inadvertently did this, the body of Christ, the church. Somehow they tell us that if you're a Christian, all your suffering stops. I, I see a lot of, you know, gray hair, silver hair, purple hair, no hair. Um, you've, been, you've been Christian for a long time. If you've been a Christian for a long time, did your suffering stop? Isn't that interesting? Why do we think that if we're a good Christian, we're not to suffer? This guy is writing more than half of the New Testament, and he knows he's about to suffer. But he's all in, and he's going to go to Jerusalem in spite of knowing that it's most likely going to end up in suffering. Verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me. Hear this coming out of, this is passion. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What a statement. 
Paul understood when he signed up to follow Jesus, he was all in. And that it would mean work for him to do, and in some cases, suffering for him as well. You're in good company. If you experience both of those, you're in good company. If you're not experiencing pain and suffering for the gospel, you better ask yourself why you're not a threat to that other dark guy. Pointed ears, you know, pitchfork, tail. If he ain't messing with you, there's a good reason why. There's a higher purpose behind your work at every season of your life. No matter how mundane or insignificant it might feel, you are called to be an ambassador of the gospel. For some of you in this room, this is a good reminder and encouragement to stay the course. And for others, it's a call to begin and to start your journey. To surrender to all control of your life so that you could willingly follow Christ in your work, in your family, in your personal life when nobody's around. No matter what your work looks like, a student, stay-at-home mom, career person, business owner, retired, here's what I want to say as I close. Remember you were called to join in with the work of God and what He's doing in the world. And the beauty is that there will be someone in your world who you will meet that's going to need encouragement. And you might just be that special package for them. And you know, that's exactly what you all did on Friday night. River Rock did a trunk or treat. Some gave candy and weren't able to come. Some worked their trunks and gave out candy. Some cooked. Some set up. Some cleaned up. Some washed dishes. Some organized. Some prayed. Some made calls. Some invited family and friends. Some others made other people, strangers, feel genuinely welcomed. Some helped people get on and off a train. And the list could go on. And 400 people, our neighbors, were exposed to kindness and the love of the kingdom because of you. Thank you. I also want you to remember that God loves you. That's not a cliche. Do you realize the God of the universe actually loves you? He's not against you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. As you run this race of life and make sure you keep going back to him when you need to find some nourishment. And remember when you join God in his work, you are entering into something sacred, into something holy. Because He is holy. And so once again, I remind everybody, you're a human being. 
Be still and know that he's God, right? In your being, in your being a child of the king, that changes everything. God didn't make human doers. We're not doing, we're supposed to be. Therefore, whenever we do, we're working for God or working with God. That being is connected to Him being our Father God. Well, Lord, I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. and There's so much here to be thankful for. Lord, I use a bunch of Marvin stories today. It's not about Marvin. It's about Jesus. It's about what you want to do in us and through us. There are so many people in this room and those who are listening to us via podcast who all have a story on how God used them because they were doing some kind of work, maybe a volunteer work, or maybe helping out here or helping out there. And God uses that as an opportunity to share kindness, to point somebody to Jesus, to hope. And in the end, people are changed because they experience the kingdom. Would you touch us, Lord? Help us to have eyes to see what you're doing in our work so that we can see what you want to do in us so you can do something through us. Because you want us to join with you for the sake and the cause of Christ. Bless you, Lord. Bless all those who were faithful to help, especially this last weekend. There's so many people, I don't even want to start doing names. Because without you, it's useless. We want to do everything in the name of Jesus. His will, His way. And bless your people this week. And we all say in Jesus' holy name, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.